There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we talk to the amazing women behind the Mid-Alt. Plus, we analyse the Women's Equality Party's annual conference and talk about whether or not Tess Holiday should be on the front cover of Cosmo. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! This week's season kicking off, it is the Women's Equality Party annual conference this weekend. It has been all over Twitter. I am super excited about it because I love the Women's Equality Party. I particularly love Sophie Walker, who is the leader of the Women's Equality Party. She is the only political leader that can make me cry in hope and joy rather than sheer despair. (laughs) Um, But there's been lots of debate this week about whether or not we should actually be supporting them because... People are saying they're too nice to be effective. This feels to me like the sort of argument you put at women that they are too nice to be effective. Now, what do you think? I don't think it's a case of them being too nice to be effective, but in politics, you have to take a position. And while they have lots of policies that are women-centric or female-centric, I don't think in an era of controversial politics and big personalities and almost crazy being the status quo they're not getting cut through and my question is is will they ever reach a position where they are determining policy where they are driving debate and getting the airtime that they they rightly deserve because they're not they're just not controversial enough and it's unfortunate but it's the era that we're in and sometimes I wish they would come out fighting a bit more and not sit on the fence and I know that they take an approach where they focus on democracy and making sure that their members back their ideas and and, and policies but actually Sophie I really like when you just stand up and say I believe in this this is important and that's what people want from politics but don't you think everything's being drowned out with Brexit like the main conversations is kind of Brexit which is a which is a different conversation I'm not I'm not saying women's issues are are not important they are but I feel like they get drowned out by the Brexit conversation because that's just dominating everything well I think what the point is with Brexit is that we're so busy thinking about how Brexit affects uh, you know how Brexit is going to affect immigration how Brexit is going to affect the economy nobody's actually thought about how Brexit affects women and it does so it affects us in terms of our caring responsibilities it affects in terms of where the money is going and where it's coming from it affects us in terms of are our voices being represented in it um, but more than that I just I 
I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want a political party that will have an actual discussion about a topic that won't say, this is my stance on it, and whatever very reasonable arguments you throw at me, I refuse to move. That feels so childish to me. I'm with you on that, but you're talking logically. And we are in an era where to get, you know, to get a headline, to be discussed on mainstream media, to be to get a feature in a magazine or a newspaper, you need a position. You're a journalist interviewing the same person where you know exactly what they're going to say over and over again does not sell newspapers. It does not get your column published. So what what I think is missing is not just the things that we the a position where we know this this is what's important to women but actually they're going to need to possibly be a lot more controversial than they're willing to be and it, it not necessarily just in their policies but personality wise i think we're going to need to see more of them as individuals if they're going to get cut through because i think that's just what politics is right now but don't you think that everyone's going to have enough of that now i mm-hmm. feel like that that was a bit of a trend i think people started to realize if they had a really extreme view on something that got them cut through that got them attention and you see it a lot in the media now where people are like kicking off on a subject just because they know that's going to get the media attention on them but i feel like people are wise to that now and we're getting a no, bit tired not, of it no they're not i think maybe, we are no maybe maybe you are but most people are not let's go back to our conversation last week about roxanne who got kicked out of the big brother house and then she got how much airtime speaking to the host of the show about how bad she was extremes get coverage if you're just saying we want to do good you are not going to be heard they're not just saying we want to do good they're not saying that they are saying things like they want to take money from areas and put it towards women's rights they are really clear about their policies around parental leave around domestic violence around immigration around they have really clear thought out policies particularly around housing and pensions i agree i agree but that's the problem i'm saying what what you need to do to get cut through and it you know so what you're saying is you would rather have a politician who doesn't have a policy but has a really strong extreme opinion Mm -hmm. than someone with an actual policy what i would rather is that someone who i thought was doing good work and had good policies got the airtime they deserved and therefore sometimes what politics is about is determining what you need to do what you need to say to get the airtime you deserve and that is my question and it goes back so Gabby Hinscliffe wrote an article just you know are are they too nice and that's why we're having this conversation because it does pose an interesting question in this day and age in this political era you need to do something different to get cut but they are they are doing something different because why play into what everybody else is doing i like the fact that but they are completely different they're a completely way a completely different way of coming to a conclusion of driving policy they're not falling into that trap because they're it's run by three super smart super intelligent women who know that there is a better way to do politics better way possibly long term but right now, I'm all today, right with that. Slow okay burn, that. slow burn. Do you know what? If they just sit there hovering around, making change happen, even if it's not making the front page of the Daily Mail, I don't care. I'm happy that they are there and they are driving an agenda for us and they are doing it in a, what I think is a really smart way and, and what politics needs more of. Are you a member? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I am. You are, yeah. but you're not. And why aren't you a member? Mainly laziness. No excuse. I haven't got an excuse not to be a member. And so this is I've the just thing. never signed up. They've got, I think, 40,000, uh, 45,000 members to get cut through. And this is what UKIP did. 
They played the long game. They increased their membership. To run, to do politics, you need money in the bank. This is what people forget. It is all, it's a business. So you either need very wealthy people putting money into you or you need members paying a membership subscription or you get elected because with election, you get pots of money to run your constituency. UKIP got themselves some MEPs. They had councillors. And so this is what I want to see from any political party. I don't even want to make it about we. Anyone that wants to facilitate change, you need, to, you need to get out there and get people voting for you. What gets people to know you even exist in this current climate is just moving to an extreme. They've been going for three years. They've been going for three years. You could have been going for 20 plus. Yeah, I, I think we can give them a break. And I also think that being a truly badass politician mm-hmm. would be not buying into the status quo yes. and choosing to do it differently. I'm with H on this. I'm yes. buying, I'm, I'm going to join tomorrow. <laughs> Are you going to join tomorrow? I'm going to hold you to that. And just to say, I do love Sophie. Sophie knows that I love her. I'm, ju- I'm just <laughs> I'm love eager Sophie. for good policies, good ideas to get out they've into the mainstream. No, they they've do. got those. They've got But tell me one. Tell me one. We will. But we will also say that actually we are mainstream we're mainstream radio and we're talking about them. So that's my kind of... Because we're three women that care. That's why we're talking about them. But Absolutely. who else is talking about them? Well, they're not on anything else. Women are 50% their... of the population. No, dude, it's their, it's their conference today. Yeah. Right. Who's talking about them? Have they been on any other show? Yes, they have, because they've had Sandy Toxvig talking about her pay cut from Stephen Fry. And we're going to talk about that later. And that's a really nice example of creating a news story exactly. from your conference. Yeah. Uh, and we will be talking about whether or not you value Sandy Toxvig as highly as Stephen Fry uh, after about eight o'clock tonight. So stay with us for that. Uh, but our second story this week is about YouTubers. Nat, tell us why we should be feeling for- sorry for very rich YouTubers. <laughs> I don't feel at all sorry so for H them. So H is trying to position me as the mean one, <laughs> mean one this week. I'm feeling a little bit sorry for these YouTube stars. There was an article in The Guardian talking about YouTubers finding themselves stressed, lonely and exhausted. And it recalls the sort of work ethic of a number of YouTubers. And you've got YouTubers that are playing games like Fortnite for 18 hours a day, They're making over £350,000 a month, but they feel pressure to be working and sitting in front of a computer day in and day out because if they're not, they don't make money, they lose subscribers and they feel like their lives are over. And so while it looks like they're living these grand lives with lots of money, actually they're isolated, they're alone and... um, they're just unhealthy and I don't know considering that being a YouTuber is now a career if this was any other career where people were burning themselves out in this way we would be talking about it and we would be suggesting other alternatives but I think because everyone thinks well most people think well it's not a career and it's not viable we're not considering just how unhealthy this is and how unhealthy it is based on the fact that so many people are watching them and thinking that this is okay but this if is... my kid was watching a YouTuber playing Fortnite for 18 hours a day, I, I I literally would be banning them from engaging with their computer for at least a week. But this is a whole new job, isn't it? That, you know, and I think, you know, they've had all this rise and now we're just starting to see the fallout from it, perhaps, because no one's ever been a YouTube star before. We've got nothing to compare this to. to. It's, I mean, it's a completely different thing to how celebrities were 10 years ago because they could very much control within reason their media attention but with a youtube star you can't really con- you need that you need a different type of reaction and, you, and you're so open and so exposed so i think maybe this is just an interesting time to see the fallout from 
But it also says, going back to the conversation we were having before, divisive, con divisive, divisive content is the key of online media today. And YouTube heavily boosts anything that riles people up. So you've also got these YouTube star stars doing things that are pushing themselves to the extreme, um, pushing them into a position where either lots of people hate them or lots of people love them. But either way, there is definitely some kind of negative behavioural energy. Or they're doing ridiculously outrageous stunts and throwing themselves off buildings because the more extreme something is, the more views it gets. It's perpetuating a very dangerous narrative of what a career and life is like. Do you, however, feel that... I, I appreciate it's a pretty... Yeah, a, a tough in quotes job right you know they do put their whole lives online mm. they do have there are pressures to it they do have to be uploading they do have to be communicating with that mm. community all the time that said it's not exactly 14 hours down the pit is it I mean, you know, they're sitting there playing video games. They're being paid huge amounts of money for it. Yes. You're going to have to do it for a couple of years maximum. And then if you've got a good financial plan, you're done for the rest of your life. Yeah. Is it is it really that difficult? Should we really feel so? Should we not just say, actually, if you're feeling really stressed by it, if it's not working for stop. you, stop you've probably got it. enough money now. Stop doing it. I agree. The problem is, is that this is possibly the only thing they've ever known. So a lot of these kids are really young. When I say young, they're, you know. Yeah, they, they are young. They're young. Um, they haven't experienced work. They possibly never even got any qualifications. So they don't know who they are other than someone that sits in front of a computer playing a game or someone that does extreme sports and videos it. Uh, and a lot of them are talking about the fact that they are just in the middle of a breakdown with nowhere to turn. And so I do feel sorry for them because there are lots of kids that are buying into this as a real viable option. Going down the pit isn't an option. And I, yeah. I do think you know, that's who I would be sorry for. Anyone yeah. that's doing manual work. There are women that are cleaning um, for 18 hours a day and working hard just to make ends meet. And these kids are earning millions. Uh, and you know we should never lose sight of that. But either way, they're unwell. And I think we should be talking about it. So I don't know how many of you bought Cosmopolitan this month. But if you did, you would have seen that their cover star was US plus size model uh, Tess Holiday. <laughs> a total blank on her name. It's going to call her Holly Willoughby. I was like, nope, definitely not Holly Willoughby. Tess Holiday. So Tess Holiday is a US plus size model. She's a size 26, I think, 24 to 26. Very, very large. Very glamorous. Very beautiful. There was huge debate when they chose her particularly if anyone saw um the editor of cosmopolitan being interviewed by piers morgan on good morning britain around whether or not this was an appropriate role model to have for young teenage girls because that is who cosmopolitan is aimed at and whether in fact it was just promoting obesity and it wasn't a good healthy choice nat would you have picked her to be on the cover yes and that's because a what it also depicts is a woman that is confident, loves herself and is showing that there are lots of body types. By not putting a body type on the front cover of a magazine doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so that's the first thing. Um, and so, yes, I also think that it gets people talking and... I'm not aware, because it's not in my day to day, about thin privilege, the fact that there are people that cannot walk into a store and just buy something off the shelf because we're not catering to them because we choose not to see them. And so by having her there, we see her. 
if on the scale, on a number, she might be, what is it? What, obese? Uh, so she's what we would call critically obese. Critically obese. But According if she, to her BMI. If she eats well and she feels fine and she feels healthy, then that's down to her. And so I don't think it's a bad decision to put her on the front cover. And going, you know, the core of the conversation we're saying today, it got people talking. It probably gets, it's got a lot of people knowing that Cosmopolitan have shifted from just talking about sex and, and boobs, which is what they used to be known for. And, you know, I, I say all credit to them. Emma, do you think it promotes an unhealthy attitude, though? If we're saying it's okay to be that size, don't worry about it. I'm I'm a bit conflicted because I totally, um, you know, agree with the representation. And I think for a long time, magazines always had aspirational well I say aspirational they had unachievable body types on the front cover airbrushed ones airbrushed ones and I think in my mindset I'm like if you're on a front cover that's an aspirational look but actually modern day magazines have a bigger job to do which is to not do that and is to show real people and have that representation but equally she is uh, jeopardizing her, her health being that size and I wonder about the fact that when we celebrate that we're going it's okay it's okay to be overweight where it's having an impact on your health and that I don't think is the right message so I'm conflicted between having representation but then having something that makes it okay to be that size but, and this is the thing that I, I'm saying because she ticks a box on the scale we're saying that she must be unhealthy does she have diabetes? Does she have high blood pressure? Does she have cholesterol? I know skinny people walking down the street that have all of those issues and they could still be on the front cover of a magazine. And we're, what we're, we're saying is because they're skinny that they don't have health it's issues. True. You can, and again, yeah, so it's yeah. changing the narrative and saying just because you're seeing this, it doesn't mean that that person is necessarily unhealthy. And it, that just, just changing that mindset is an important part of this because we don't know what's going on in her body just like I don't know what's going on in Kendall Jenner's body she might be unhealthy yeah it's a good point so I feel for me I was really interested that they picked her I'm I'm always actually really interested in everything that Tess Holliday does because she's such a strong role model for uh, pushing back on particularly on the health conversation about you can't be that size and healthy and also on the you can't be that size and really love yourself conversation mm. but I think you raised a really interesting issue Emma, which was around aspiration and this to me is fascinating because as you said we have for decades had super thin models on the covers yeah, of magazines. Which actually what Natalie says that's no guarantee they're healthy and we know a lot of them suffering from anorexia so that's that's a really good point. Absolutely you know that is not a that is not a example of great health necessarily and yeah. it's also not a great I think a really other, an interesting thing is you know we talk about health when we talk about size it's not necessarily aspirationally beautiful mm. you know we've created an aspiration around beauty which is that thin is beautiful mm-hmm. and how interesting it would it be to maybe change the narrative on that and be able to say actually it's aspirational to be bigger it's aspirational to really enjoy your body it's aspirational to really be happy with you as a person she definitely looks sexy i definitely looked at her and thought she looked really hot with her tattoos and stuff like yeah yeah so i think there's i was really excited to see it i was really interested to see it i sort of always have a bit of a problem sometimes with the body positivity movement because it just feels like a lot of work and i'd just be rather i'd just rather be body neutral But I am happy. What is the body positivity movement? So the body positivity movement is about loving your body no matter what it looks like Mm -hmm. or what it does. You have a problem with that, you're saying? Uh, I do, simply because they are so 
into loving your body the whole time. And I will tell you that sometimes I do not love my body. Like sometimes I don't. And but, then I think, oh God, I don't love my body today. That's another thing. As well as not being happy with my body, I'm now failing again because I don't love it even though I'm not judgment. happy with it. Yeah. There's always a judgment. I'd actually just rather be like, this is how I feel about my body today. Okay. Full stop. Yeah. Just, this, this is, is my, my body. body. Yeah. yeah. Full, yeah that's no, it. Yeah. 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 No, Do you know like, what I mean? High, low. Yeah. yeah. It just is where it is. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. it's amazing. It's not terrible. It yeah. just is where it is. That and feels nicer to me. To the point around aspirational as well. I, and again, I'm making lots of assumptions here, but we're putting this down to the physical. Mental well-being is part of the whole package. Mm -hmm. So again, you can be skinny and beautiful as you like and be mentally unhealthy. And changing that conversation to say, don't take what you see and makes all of these different assumptions about who this person is, how they live, whether they're happy, whether they're sad because you just don't know. Mm. And what is aspirational is for you to just be cool with who you are. So yeah. That is the bottom line. So just accepting your body as it is, knowing what your mind is doing and knowing how to look after yourself and your mental well-being. That's important. I think that's been the shift in magazines these days. They are saying, let's just have a conversation versus we're pushing this in front of, yes, they still need to sell magazine, but it's less about this is who you need to aspire to be. Yeah, and the one-dimensional. I love yeah. the fact that it's not one-dimensional. But I think you're, I think you're right because I think for a long time, especially with the with the magazines, is that you know I certainly make a lot of assumptions about that front cover. And you're right, you don't know if she is genuinely really happy, mm. really pleased, lives her life as full as she wants to. Then yeah, it's absolutely irrelevant. I size. also think if Serena Williams got on a scale, she might be considered obese. Yeah. Probably. Based on oh, her probably. weight, yeah, yeah. and yeah. so it, again, lots, lots of athletes were. Yeah. I know, they're but just, yeah, they're but, just yeah. they're numbers that yeah. say X, which means people then equate Y, and so we really need to look at this because it's making people think something that isn't true. Um, did any of that make sense? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. No, I like profound words. <laughs> oh, not, not that you're not normally profound, but there was some. That's that last sentence. I was like, I'm not sure that actually makes sense, no. but I know what I'm trying to yeah, say. I love wisdom from you tonight. Now, oh, I love my, it. Fine. The BMI is a very weird scale. I think we can yeah. say that. Um, we've been running a poll about makeup on the train. This How's it doing? From a BBC story this week, Emma. You found this. How did you feel when you saw this story? Well, did you just think, why are we talking about yeah, it? Yeah, because the main thing, so it's written by Emily Baker, I think it was in Stylist Magazine, um, about applying makeup on the tube isn't rude, it's essential. But apparently there's lots of men that are really upset about women doing their makeup on the train and they don't understand why we don't do makeup at home. So if you saw the original story, there was a, a kind of a comments thread on the BBC where it said, do pe does people doing their makeup on the train annoy you? And it was filled with Jeff and Brian. <laughs> and they're all about 59. 59. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, saying it's disgusting. How dare they? I'm kind of astonished that people care. But Nat, you really care, don't you? Yes. And so just for the record, for equality's sake, anyone doing their makeup on the train annoys me right so the first bit that annoys me is a you're doing something that's making me look at you and it's a distraction the next bit i really hate is when the foundation starts going everywhere and the powder plume from the foundation okay. is touching my life that's not okay. that it really annoys yeah. me and in the morning i don't want anyone in my dance space i will wait for an empty train in the morning because i don't want people that close to me so when you come in fanning <laughs> a brush all about 
It really, really annoys yeah. me. It does really annoy me, actually. I hate when people eat on the train in the morning. Do not start. Don't put your porridge together on the train. Do it at home. There's no reason for you to need to put on mascara or plump eyebrows on the train. There you is. Do it at home. You could, no, it's you, really annoying. No, you, you're in a public space and you're just annoying people with no, your you're morning not annoying people. stuff. Like, it really annoys me. It's one of my life peeves. I think, like, I don't know, but I... That's an hour. You could be on that train for an hour. When I was working, I used to have an hour's commute, sometimes an hour and a half at some jobs. That is dead time. You're sat there. Read a book. No. Listen be- to the podcast. No, why can't I do my makeup? Because it's train? annoying me. No. Like, it's and just... Especially, like, there's elbows flaying, and then you're in my body space, and then... Do you know the what? Problem the, problem is, oh. the problem is, Nat, unfortunately, last week, we identified that mm. when it comes to appearances at work, you are part of the patriarchal problem. Yes. And you like people to turn <laughs> up at work looking yeah, so you're at home. So you're one of the people demanding that women turn up at work with makeup on, which means but that you're can't. robbing them of their sleep. But That's we can't what you're doing. Do it on the tube. God. So we I've got a look good in your office, but you're not going to let me do the makeup do on the home. tube. You'll be surprised home. to know that over seventy, over sixty percent, over sixty percent of our Twitter followers agree with me and Emma. Yeah. That you should be able to do your makeup. Who are on the you? Train. If you see Natalie, do your makeup in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> Flick the blush <laughs> wind her up. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Now, are you absolutely fine? Are you sure? Are you really sure? Well, in case you're not entirely sure, we have got the authors of I'm Absolutely Fine, a manual for imperfect women, Annabelle Rivkin and Emily McMeekin, in the studio with us. They are the founders of The Middle, which is basically our favourite website. We're so excited. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi. Thank you. So excited to be here. Uh, Annabelle, for anyone who has not had the joy of discovering, tell us what The Middle is. The Middle is, in one word, unfiltered. <laughs> so really, we just thought that there was um, an endemic cultural underestimation of grown-up women yeah. and that we were either meant to be sort of deranged cougars or big working <laughs> mums or, you know, tragic spinsters. And nobody talked to us the way that we talked to each other. So we just thought we'd just do it. And then people started stopping us in the street and saying, how do you know what's inside my head? Thought, oh, interesting. There's some recognition here. And we just thought there was something in the Venn diagram where anxiety meets potential. Where we sit. <laughs> what is a middle? What is the middle? I don't know. A middle is either, uh, you know, a sort of generation X woman. But actually, we found that um, our audience, our 25 to 35 audience is the fastest growing as well. So although we hit the 35 to 45 and up sweet spot, the um, there's the, lots of people are coming to join us. So I we t- figure... Tell you what's interesting about that is that we're all sort of um, educated to believe that you have to look downwards in age for the kernel of any kind of interesting cultural conversation. Mm-hmm. But then if you remember being at school when you were 12, you didn't care what the nine-year-olds are doing. You want to know what the 15-year-olds are doing. So, yeah. so these these younger women are saying, God, thank God someone's telling us, someone, thank mm-hmm. God someone's talking the truth. Absolutely. But also having role models, I think for me getting older as well, uh, there's I've never seen the sort of the, the role models in the media of women of a certain age that make me go I want to be that woman when I'm older who do I want to be when I grow up and you know like and that's what's always been missing so I think. mine is slightly different it's uh having unadulterated honest funny conversations that's the thing so the so- social media feed in the morning yeah. if you just want to laugh <laughs> and realize that everything you thought was important five minutes before actually really isn't it's the place to go and that that's the thing that hooks me in it's just that actually 
zero Fs given. I think also the fact that um, that you can have uh, conversations with women which are f- exactly that are funny, but yeah. also that everything's completely imperfect. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, to your point about what you see in the media, you know, these groomed, elegant, grown-up women or kind of arger, loving, um, <laughs> you know, shy. And, and I love an arger, yeah. don't get me wrong. But the point is, is that, is that it's, it, everything is so neat and tidy. Mm. And, you know, in the rush hour of life that we're in, and in the way that we feel and the way we feel inside, it is not tidy in there. <laughs> and so we just wanted to reflect that. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're not, you know, hashtag winning. Yeah. It just means that, that you might be, you know, having these feelings while you're hashtag winning. <laughs> yeah, or hashtag winging. <laughs> what I really loved about the site is it is really, um, it's got real attitude. So mm. it's not having, you know, there is that kind of like, oh gosh, we're juggling everything. It's all a bit all over the place and who really knows what we're doing. But it's not having an anxiety attack. It's too, it's too adult for that. It's been there. It's done that. And now it's getting on with it. Well, you know, with being a grown-up comes a kind of, um, you know, it's a difficult word, but a kind of wisdom um, combined with the loss of, and a beard and (laughs) loss of skin elasticity. Um, But, you know, but that, you know, you you, you sort of know what, you just suddenly realize you know what the hell you're talking about to a certain extent. And what was very freeing was having come from a background of journalism where you might have a, you know, particularly me, where you might have a byline and people will write to you and say, how dare you? There are no bylines. (laughs) And the book is by both of us with other contributors. So it means that we were able to do a sort of collective personal. Mm. So it wasn't attributed. So when we've got, you know, you know, 10 guys you probably slept with, you will never know who had sex with the IT guy. (laughs) We do now. Uh, yeah, and the other thing as well is that the um, the fact is that I've had a million anxiety attacks and um, and I really have suffered it from it. And so to be able to talk to Annabelle all the time about how I'm feeling and to check in constantly, it's really helped. So I think I've got like a brilliant badass attitude now because I'm like, yeah. hey, I can sit in a work loo thinking that like the world is kind of... Cu- falling apart and I can get out of the loo and sit back at my desk and kind of do a full day's work and now that I know that I can do that Jesus I can do anything yeah yeah so what was the moment when you decided to create it how did it come about well it came about through our friendship because mm-hmm. we had you know there's something really um interesting about starting a business with people that you've worked with because the women that you've worked with are the people who've seen you every day not yep. when you put on your best self to go and have a pizza with them <laughs> but when you've been you know hung over heartbroken or just, you know, you know, just wearing your horrible personality on the outside. And, you know, we'd done that. And we'd, we'd had desks next to each other for six years. And then we'd worked on and off somewhere else for, for another three years. And really, we wanted to work together before we knew what we wanted to do. Mm. Um, and that's what it came out of. And then we started having conversations. And we started um, getting people to, because we didn't have a boardroom, but we did have a kitchen, <laughs> getting everybody we knew to come and have, like, spaghetti bolognese. And we did about 20 of those and said, what do you want to talk about? What are you feeling? I remember one time before we, 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 one of the reasons that we started talking about this, I went to have dinner with some women. It was during my summer of extreme anxiety and I'm a single mother and I had completely stopped sleeping and I was kind of in a terrible state. And when I'm anxious, I just, I'm like a sort of battery operated toy with no soul. I'm just, I just keep going and it's sort of quite, it's quite ugly to see. And someone said, how are you? And I forgot that how are you generally isn't a question. Yeah. And I said, I'm so anxious, I can't sleep and I'm thinking about death all the time. And they all started talking at once and one said, I think I'm going to die on the streets the other said I've been on these meds for two years the other said I don't want to have sex with my husband but I really love him and Emily and I started talking we said well this stuff might just be the glue that that, and there's no reason why you can't be empowered and still look at what's going in your life that is really troubling and really imperfect and now like 
when so, when I ask someone how are they, they always tell me, which is I think a, a function <laughs> of knowing that we're putting our stuff out there all the time, yeah. and that you know that the key is connection, isn't it? And so when you know that someone is going to tell you something honestly or honestly how they feel, they start sharing too. So I was at a school concert the other day, and. Um, and uh, this, I said, how are you? And she said, I don't feel validated at work. I've got a chest infection. And I think my therapist may be a bit of an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, well, my therapist is going to Peru for six weeks. So, thank you. so how do I feel? And, we laugh. and around us, everybody's looking going, oh, yeah, this is a conversation. Yeah. And I think it's so important to be able to talk about that sometimes stuff. we think that women are only allowed to be one thing. Mm. Yeah. You're only allowed to be the boss or the slut or the mother. Um, and we just think it's much more textured than that. And the other thing that we wanted um, for the mid-alt was to lovingly remove children from the conversation. Because there's lots of brilliant stuff that aggregates around motherhood, and that's great. Um, and there's, a bit of, there's a nice child-free move movement, that's great. But what about a place where it's irrelevant where you've got kids mm. or not, whether you've been sort of verified in that way? And certainly for me, who was desperate for a baby and then eventually had one by myself, um, the pain of not having a child was very real. Um, so I felt like a bridge between those two worlds, um, the sort of married mothers and the women who really wanted to have children. It, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So we just thought we didn't want people to be you know, emotionally stabbed every time they logged on to something that we were doing or something that we were talking about. That is so fascinating because we were talking about the show when we were chatting about you coming on. We were saying one of the things that's so interesting is it's not kind of that, and we've had kids and we're going to talk about everything to do with our kids. It's you know it's there, but it's not. No, it's part of the point. landscape, but it's quite remote, and there are no husbands either. Did you find when you were at that point where you wanted a child but you couldn't that literally every time you opened a browser there was another article on parenting? Or... Oh, no, I got really grief-stricken. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I couldn't look at nappy adverts on the side of buses. I turned them off on the telly. I had a sort of internal monologue of hate every time I saw a pregnant woman. I felt like I was looking at death. It was, yeah. re you know, it really was. It was, it was bad. And I, I'm not sure that people who haven't experienced it really would understand it. But, yeah. um, yes, I did get to that point. And... When you decided you were just going to do it by yourself, what was the moment that you said, OK, I can do this? I'm not sure there is a moment. Yeah. I think there's a lot of work and a slow dawning. And in my case, um, my child has a father, but we're not together. So I'm yeah. very, very lucky. But what it did do was it made me a kind of touchstone for women who are doing it genuinely by themselves. So, yeah. you know, people will turn up on the doorstep sometimes. And there are certainly five women in my immediate circle who've had baby with sperm donors. And it's amazing to see. And in my case, what was interesting was separating a parental fit from a romantic fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I've got is effectively a really happy divorce. <laughs> yeah. You know, but no one, you know, ha, ha, you know, one, no one was unfaithful. No one tried to steal anyone's house. Yeah. And ha have you found now that as this sort of beacon for every woman's kind of, oh my gosh, I've got to tell someone about this. Please let me. Is there a point where you're like, oh, it would be so nice to go back to the days where I say, how are you? And everyone says, oh, fine. No, actually. I, no, not at all. We don't, I don't, I don't, I like, for us, being on receive is sometimes more exciting than being on transmit. And also we need them to, yeah. because otherwise what are we going to talk about? <laughs> but I get really emotional when people, and they do, they, in any way that they try and get hold of us through all of our social channels or just on email, and they say, how did you know, how did you get into my head? Or all, and I, I get really emotional about that because, you know, someone sent me a text reading the book and said, the thing is, is that you, you, you say how we all feel. And I say, well, I'm so pleased you say that because that means I'm not alone either. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that it's it's just a constant flow. But also I think there's been a bit of a conspiracy of silence around yeah. women's inner lives and mm -hmm. quite a lot of, you know, 
men telling us how to be and how to think um, and quite a lot of misrepresentation. So the more we hear about it, the more that people feel it's really wonderful for us that people would feel recognized yeah. um, rather than isolated. That that really was a kind of aim which just at some point in the day, whether it's when, you know, you log on to the Instagram feed or someone or, or you read a piece on the website, if someone just thinks, you know, I'm, I'm not alone because we just think if we're not in it together, we're not in it at all. Um, so it's lovely that. And we get. Oh. I was going to say the reason I'm quiet is because I'm actually on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. like, I was just thinking. I was just thinking. I was just yeah. thinking. She's on her phone. I am on your feed. Absolutely, just it's it's hilarious. I have two moods: constant panic and worrying about every little detail. Or two, it is what it is. Yeah. That is my day. That is my life. In the morning, it's panic, and then five minutes later, it's like it is what it but is. But that's the thing: is the is the immediacy of the trigger. Yeah. It's not like in the morning it's panic and the evening. No, it's it's at eight o'clock it's panic and it's at eight o one it's you know, resignation. Also, I think that we're all we were talking about this the other day that we're all lazy perfectionists. Yeah. Like it would be so great to be to get everything right all the time, but we just don't have like, the yeah. energy. Don't you yeah. just yeah. love ironed sheets? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Do you have iron no, sheets? No, no, not so no. much. I know. Going to a hotel is like the most exciting thing for the well for the, for the linen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the other thing. We so said we're finding that that women talk about sleep more than they talk about sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the key What are the key lessons that you've learned about women since starting this that you didn't know before? We talk about sleep more than we talk about sex. What else? Um, we're always hungry <laughs> nothing good happens after 3am <laughs> really yeah, go, no, go, yeah. yeah. go home at go 12 home. very <laughs> true uh, that um, you will always have a rogue hair somewhere yes. and, and you won't notice it until it's waving in the breeze <laughs> oh my goodness what is that there wasn't one this morning and now it's 2 o'clock and it's there do you know there's this thing I don't know, there's this thing called face app that I was playing with with my best friend and you can make yourself a man or you make yourself old or, and you can give yourself a beard and I have to tell you and this is thank god Considering what's going on in my chin, I am a hot bearded man. I, can, I have to say, I can vouch. I look like a Russian poet. <laughs> yeah, should we call you Gregorich or something? Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And so you've combined all of this wisdom and brilliance into a book. I'm absolutely fine, and I've got it open on page 152, which is ten childhood punishments that are now threats. Treats, treats. treats. That was my my Freudian slip. Um, you're not going to that party. Yeah. You've got to yeah. stay at home. Yeah. Oh. I know. Yeah. Isn't that bliss? Oh, man. You're going to bed early. Yeah. Get to bed. Yeah, poor oh, you. happiness. Yeah. Go to your room and read. Yeah, that'll teach that you. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be home by 10, 10 p.m. That is the best thing ever. When Love Island was on, using it as an excuse to be able to leave somewhere. But Emily's got Go the away. best excuse because she's, she's, Emily is, is very sunshiny and I'm quite brimstony. So it's quite good cop, bad cop. So she's a compulsive <laughs> volunteer. So if you wanted to dress in, as an elf and man a stall somewhere, she will do it. But, but, but her therapist said to her, you know what, maybe think twice. So now, if someone asks Emily to do something, she says, sorry, I can't, my, my, my shrink told me not to. <laughs> she's so brilliant because they can't, they can't threaten your mental health. They could coerce me in every other possible way. But if they think that there might be a chance that I might lose it that that so they just sort of back away slowly so her Saturday afternoons are completely reinvented <laughs> absolutely love it we are going to keep talking to the fantastic Emily McMeekin and Annabelle Rivkin from the middle for more of their wisdom coming up including I'm going to learn what a penis pal is uh, we're going to learn how not to be an a-hole and the backhanded compliments you didn't know were actually really not compliments 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and... I mean, we've just been giggling for the whole Legend. of the break because we have got the fabulous Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin from the Mid-Alt in the studio with us. We are talking about their new book, I'm Absolutely Fine, A Manual for Imperfect Women. And I was having a flick through and I opened the page at the question, do you have a penis pal? <laughs> Ladies, please explain what a penis pal is. Simply put, Harriet, <laughs> it's a woman who slept with the same man that you have. I mean, that is oh, just joy. Oh, that's not what I thought it was. No, that's oh, what it is. And the fun part is, she might not even know your penis palace. Oh. Oh. The even more fun thing is that he might know that you both, <laughs> he might not know that you both know. No, that you are penis palace. Oh. Very nuanced. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I actually had dinner with a penis pal last night. <laughs> she you? lasted longer than he did, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. I love that. Um, but the book, I mean, it is filled with some brilliant lists and some truly hilarious quotes, but there's also some really kind of beautiful moving essays in there. And one of them that I saw was To Women Who Leave, mm. which is about the concept of women who decide, actually, I'm leaving their marriage. And I don't think we really talk about that, do we? We always talk about, you know, are, are you going to hold on to him? Is it okay? What's happening? Actually, there are lots. I know, well, do you know what? I'm well. not sure that people actually ask women about their relationships once they're married. Yeah. I think it goes further back than that. You yeah. know, you start dating, oh, what's it like, and where did you go, and how's the sex, and is yeah. he nice, and oh my God, and you didn't really, and, and then you're engaged, and then it's the wedding, and then nothing. Yeah. How are you getting on? Is it all right? Yeah. Are you happy? Are you still having There's sex? There's almost a taboo, I think. I almost feel like friends don't want to talk about their marriage. I don't know. I do feel like they're, they're less open about... I. I they're less open about their challenges. Normally, it's not until they hit a catastrophe or really crisis that suddenly they start sharing things with me Isn't that, that I've never heard before. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, whether you've got to have a, you know, that once you hit 
being married is there a, a perception that you have to create that every, that you've got the happy home and an you're going to live happy perfection yeah the perfect you're going to live happily ever after because yeah. that's the expectation right yeah and I think with lots so much of the way that um, the way that our narratives are aren't they that we're you know for women that we're there we're there to be kind of you know asked we're there yeah. to be um, to be plucked from you know and this is at work as well and and I think that you know when you make a decision to walk away from from something whether be it a marriage or a job or any kind of relationship it's quite a, it's quite a big deal it, mm. it flows against the the sort of the idea of what we should be doing well also and also the perception that the idea of being independent you know, by which I mean being single. I don't even like yeah. the word single because it has got that unplucked flower of yeah. a millennia narrative to it, as Emily was saying. The idea of being independent is worse than being in a very unhappy relationship. Very risky. Who will take her on now? You know, will she be alone forever? Well, maybe. Maybe that's better. Yes. Yeah. Back yeah. on the shelf. All that <laughs> stuff, which is yeah. such a negative attitude towards, you know, women and how they, how, how, how we want to live in the world. Yeah, men don't get it. Like, men get, oh, I wonder oh, yeah. if there's someone I can introduce Bachelor, him to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On the point about marriage, the different perspectives. So my friends don't pry in other friends' marriages, partly because they say that the person that they're married to is now their person. So whereas before we were a group of girlfriends and we were each other's person, that is now their person. Don't you think it's unrealistic to think you can get everything from one person? It just changes overnight. Once that marriage happens, everyone just stops. And it's like, actually, the the conversations we used to have, we can't have them anymore because we're not that close. Which means that that means that the wife just gets isolated. And that's a dangerous position to be in. So Emily and I are now those people who, when someone comes back from a honeymoon, go, how was it? Mm. Are you okay? Did you get on? Yeah. I love that. Are you still married? How, how, how long do you think it's now going to last? <laughs> should we should we buy you that wedding present we forgot to get for yeah, the wedding? Yeah. yeah. We and also, with fifty percent of marriages ending in divorce, mm. I mean, it's not it's not exactly these stats are are not it's not know, shocking. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen to one in two be- marriages. So we might as well all you know talk about it before <laughs> before. Also, I think the other thing is that again, you know, that to the to the to the to the um the woman who leave essay is also about being brave about what you want mm. i think you know some pe- sometimes you it is okay to change your mind and say actually this isn't what i wanted or this is not working for whatever reason and to press reset yeah. which does get harder when you have more responsibilities but you know it's still possible do you think we judge ourselves for putting ourselves first i was explaining to em before the show i did something that to other people would be considered selfish i put myself over a family member because it was what was best for me but to explain it to someone that didn't know me i can see they'd be like 100 percent. and when i i talked about my anxiety attacks and when i went to see my therapist for the first time she's like okay so you're on a plane and the oxygen mask comes down and you put the oxygen mask on your face and then you help everyone and i was like i'm sorry what what do you mean on me first and she was like if I was like I couldn't get my I mean it was sessions before I could accept that it was even a possibility that I would put it on myself first so that I could breathe and then therefore help everybody else for me it was immediately find as many people to give oxygen to and I think we forget that you can't yeah if you've got no oxygen Mm -hmm. then you're not much good to anyone Mm -hmm. and that we have to look after ourselves and you know sometimes you do have to put yourself first Mm -hmm. and that and that, that is also okay but it's not what we're sold. It's not what we're told. And it's definitely no, we're not what to be, we're think. meant to be nurturing to the point where we um, extinguish ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not sure that that narrative is OK anymore, particularly as we get older. That old that saying that, you know, that, you know, once you get to sort of 35, um, men get distinguished and women get extinguished. Yeah. Mm. And the mid is 
not about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we're just lighting not. fires all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the key kind of myths around women you'd like to see gone? Yeah, I love that that women get extinguished. No, we're going to light that fire again. Yeah. What else do you think we need to leave it's behind? It's quite fun to suddenly be a rebel when you're forty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's perfect time for it. Because Emily and I were both good girls. Yeah, you know, and and now suddenly we're so we we we've got a sort of counter proposal. <laughs> How does the publishing? How has the publishing industry reacted to this? Because it is. We were talking about women's publishing a lot earlier in the show, and we were talking about Tess Holliday being on the front cover of Cosmopolitan, mm. and how women's magazines have you know, traditionally talked to and about women. And this is really like the middle really does kind of rip it up and be like, nope, all that stuff you were sold in Ms. Magazine in 1997. Don't listen to it. <laughs> this is what you need to know. What has been the response to it? Well, it's hard to know because it only came out on <laughs> two, two days ago. But I think what we've seen happening is a lot of people in publishing and in, in industry mm-hmm. uh, sort of paying lip service to um, looking after women or listening to women mm-hmm. and, and you know, and standing on a podium and saying, we're trying to do better and then thinking that the job is done. Yeah, yeah just by saying it. I know I sat next to someone at a, at a bank at a dinner a few years ago and she was the woman's representative there and uh, and I said how's it going oh, that's so brilliant you're the women's representative of this big bank brilliant and she's like no that is basically it they just point and go oh no we've got you you're the women's representative that are, <laughs> we're, we're done. done and you just think oh my goodness no not good enough <laughs> not good enough and I think um hopefully you know um I mean I I think it's one of those strange things but this year I think I've only read books written by women which is amazing mm-hmm. Right. And it's not a deliberate kind of, you know, um, I'm not going to read books by men, but it's just all loads of huge, brilliant titles coming out all the time. This like women's fiction is having a real moment, etc. And I think nonfiction, too. And there's so many great, you know, there's so much energy around it. So I'm thrilled that we're part, hopefully, you know, part of a massive movement. Yeah. And, you're, and you know, we just sort of suspect that imperfection might be the next big thing, mm-hmm. like an extension of self-care, not just dealing with your imperfections living with them and not being ashamed of them but kind of advertising them and saying this is the texture of who I am these are the colours of my rainbow do we change the the word I mean is it even about perfection or imperfection it's just this is who I am yeah Yeah. it's about identity in the end yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, and truthfulness do you think we're getting more of that though? Do you? F- I feel like there's like Wonderlust, for instance, that's out. That's a very different. Yeah, but there's narrative. also Love Island, where they've all had their tits, noses, yeah, cheeks, and right. teeth done by the time they're 18, and then they've had no chance whatsoever to accept themselves. And the grown-up women we talk to will often say, "Yeah, I was desperate for a nose job at 18, and now, thank God, I've got my nose. It's who I am." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think Instagram? Your Instagram is. We've talked about it. It's absolutely hilarious. But there's also a big cult on Instagram of. My life isn't perfect. Look at this small imperfection that I'm going to magnify for you and talk about as though it's the biggest thing in the world to show you that I am not truly perfect. long, 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 long captions. Mm. The very long captions, (laughs) yes. And and that to me seems like this other side of imperfection, which is embracing imperfection, but not really, because Mm. we're just doing it to kind of make ourselves more perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a bit weird. Yes, to say, yes, look at my honesty, admire me for that. Yeah. Yeah, I I know, but you know, we can all criticise each other. I think you just... The thing to do is to engage with what you want to engage with rather than what you think you should. Yeah. You know, we, we had a really weird meeting where some girls wanted to see us in their 20s and they said, they said, um, we are interested, and they used the phrase, we're interested in self-perfection. Can you help? And I remember saying to one of them, however flattering the lighting, I am not perfect, so no. And secondly, I think that really what you're at risk of is extreme boringness. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what you're looking for, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Also to believe that you can control 
everything around you to such an extent that it all turns out how you want to. Yes, is... they would say, when's the best time to have a baby? Well, yeah, good luck yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've got something in the book, actually, about embracing the... Unleash your inner weirdo. Yeah. See, yeah. I think this is one of the most underrated things ever. Everyone likes... the At a dinner party now, I'm not interested in the person that gives me the same old, same old. Give me that person that's saying completely random, hilarious things. It's going to light up my life for that evening. It might be really tiresome if, you know, I was the other half. But for that (laughs) dinner party, it's fabulous. And I think seeing that side of of women and seeing that side of my friends just makes me love them even more. Well, your inner weirdo is a little bit of yourself that thinks it's okay to be you and thinks it's funny when you're a bit of an idiot and you have a terrible shame over and you get everything wrong. Um, And your inner weirdo is the the thing that makes you, yeah, interesting, as you say, rather than the person who talks about curation and road mapping and strategy. Yeah. It's so funny, though, isn't it? Because I do find that the people that are most interesting are the people that don't seem to have that shame filter they don't buy into that they are totally themselves and we all did they get there yeah well i don't know but that but you're always drawn to those people but also one of the things about the middle was was that i we think our generation of women grew up with a lot of shame yeah and you know shame cannot survive being spoken yeah so if you put it out there it just it neutralizes it really it Mm. just puts a little bomb off inside it and it's you know that's it gone it's okay yeah Mm -hmm. and once you've stopped pretending as well it's quite hard to go back like, it would be quite hard for me to, to actually say nothing when someone said, how are you? Or just say, yeah. you know, without that. And I think that's great. I don't want to go back. Because when, when I was in that zone of pretending that everything was okay, I was, you know, hearing voices yeah. and quietly going mad. So You still have to pick your moments, though. I've, I've got to say, like, I'll, I'll be quite open about if I'm not okay, but... Uh, you do have to judge it in terms of yes. who but you're going to say. But sometimes people aren't interesting enough to tell about yeah, yourself. It's true, yeah. it's true. You know, yeah. so you know, there's a, there's a bit in the book which which says it, which says it's not me, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Not always our fault. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's everybody else. <laughs> you know, Emily and I generally think it is our fault. We're always slightly sorry about everything, but maybe sometimes you don't deserve to have that little slice of me. Yeah. You've also you've got uh, tiny ways to be outrageous. I'm not sure they are outrageous. Have delivery every night for a week. That's basically my standard life. Uh, I, I, I've always been anti-smoking, but my neighbours smoke um, something that they're not supposed to smoke. And I'm every now and then I'm like, hmm. That'd be nice. And add an extra hour to the cleaner. We had this conversation with H the other day. She She's not oh, I love my cleaner, but I have, do have serious middle-class guilt yeah, about my cleaner. Yeah, you've got the guilt. Got the guilt. And I, you know, I'm... I, I clean before I have a male cleaner. I clean before he comes. Barry, uh, I have a male cleaner. Got a male cleaner. Emily's cleaner is called Barry. I love Barry. You've got Mine's a male called, cleaner. Yeah, Victor. But you clean before he comes. I clean before he comes to make it easier for him. Okay. Oh. I tidy before Barry yeah. comes too. I to tidy up a little bit. I mean, so I pick that... my pants up off the floor. I mean, I just think that's courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> it is but okay, yeah an extra hour on. yeah an extra hour on, on the cleaner because it is great that. when you open the fridge and it's really clean when you open the front door and you actually can <laughs> hang on a minute it's Saturday night and you're talking about the highlight of your day is opening the fridge and it's clean yeah I like also We're to middles. see uh, the, the hoover marks on, on, on the carpet sometimes I, I just open my linen cupboard 
and look at it and then close it again and walk away and I feel safe. Sometimes I just open Annabelle's linen closet. If anyone is listening, this is still the badass room as I do love, though, how we've circled back round to linen. We, this is where we started. This is where we're ending. There's linen sponsorship in the offing any second now. Either Ladies, way, they're not outrageous is what I was going to say. We have loved having you on the show. Oh, thank uh, you for having us. If you thank want you. more of this absolute brilliance, I'm absolutely fine. A manual for imperfect women is out now. Uh, Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin are the founders of The Middult. Go and check it out. Ladies, where can people find it? Well, they can find us on Instagram us. at the Middult or www.themiddult. Is that how many W's did I say? <laughs> Whatever. The World Wide Web. <laughs> Themiddult.com. <laughs> and on Twitter at The Middult. You have been absolutely brilliant. We have learnt a lot. Thank you so much. Thank Big you. You've been listening to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. If you liked it, you know what you should do? Subscribe. Then we'll be in your ears every single week. You could also rate and review us. A little five stars makes us happier than anything. Or a lot of five stars. Or a lot. Come talk to us at Badass Women's Hour HR. Tell us what you loved and we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.